Public Affairs Thursday. I am here with my co-host, Jackie Kettler, and we have a special guest today, Brooke Burton. Hi. Hey, Brooke. Thanks so much for coming in. If you're tuning in, you listen to us normally, you might be hoping to hear election coverage, but we feel like we needed to take a break from that, right, Jackie? Yeah, you know, just to change, change it up a little bit. We'll get back to some election stuff next week, but... I mean, we'll all be drowning in it a week yeah. from now, right? So come on back next Thursday if, if and listen to election coverage if politics is your jam. But today we're going to be talking about art and specifically about public art. So uh, Brooke is a visual artist, a photographer, um, and she's also the blogger for the City of Boise Arts and History blog, Creators, Makers, Doers. And if you are near a computer, it's the end of your workday, go check it out now. The photographs are gorgeous. One of my very favorite blogs of all time. And um, Brooke, you have some really great art news and topics for us to talk about today. And, and Halloween. I was yes. just going to say, we're going to kick it off. I'm like a little shaky because I've had so much sugar. <laughs> um, but we're going to kick it off by talking about Halloween. Um, but first, before we do that, I want to hear what everybody's favorite Halloween candy is. Oh, Reese's. I mean, it has to be Reese's, right? It's so the, the pumpkin ones are so much better than the regular Reese's. I know, and there's that machine they put up in what Times Square in New York where you could put your crappy candy into the machine what? and it would trade you for Reese's. When did you see that? I know. I don't know. I have a social media problem. Okay, I want that, that in the office. <laughs> Brooke, what's your favorite okay, candy? How about it's classic double bubble bubble gum like oh. and if you Wild. get multiple ones you put one in you chew it till the flavor goes out and then you just keep adding oh, yes no. my taste buds just fired just thinking about it Absolutely. exactly that's a good memory that's a good memory what about you it's definitely Reese's. Okay. Yeah, no question. No question. I love Reese's, although I'm also a Heath fan, but oh. those things add up pretty quick and pretty soon you're feeling a little sick. So you have to take it easy. <laughs> Um, I just don't know how to, I'm not a good judge of how much Halloween candy I should should or should not eat. <laughs> um, so last night I went to a Halloween party and I was dressed as um, Dumbledore, not sexy Dumbledore, just Dumbledore. Um, <laughs> and you were where last night, Brooke? I got to go to Humpin' Hannah's Halloween party and I think it's called Exotic Erotica. Exotic Erotica? Yeah, she does um, Rocky Johnson, the lead singer of the Rocky Johnson band uh, I think who you've profiled on your blog before exactly one of my favorite profiles on the creators makers and doers blog because she does support the arts in a lot of different ways they Hump and Hannah's throws an awesome Halloween party and they give out big prizes for costumes so I was invited to photograph all night oh man and catch um, all the action I gotta ask a question to Jen though you've said that you're a Halloween curmudgeon Yes. Why do you keep putting on costumes? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I know. Um, I My post on Facebook yesterday was that I hate Mamma Mia Halloween, <laughs> and I'm a university administrator, so I must be a person who doesn't like fun very much. Um, I get dressed every year because I have children, and I don't want to kill the holiday for them. But you've made it into a kind of your own kind of grumpy Halloween, like grumpy cat. Yeah. Yeah, grumpy cat. Exactly. Yeah, it's always ironic Halloween. So when you go into Hump and Hannah's, like I'm, I don't go to the bar scene very much. I know that's going to be shocking to both of you. Um, but when you go to Hump and Hannah's on Halloween, what what are people going to see? Okay, this here's the question for you two. Do you like people watching? Oh yes, oh for sure. Right. The, I'm not a big um, attendant to bars, which you can tell by the word I, I used, attendant. <laughs> that's not what we, people would say. The great thing about being um, 
invited to photograph an event is that you get the freedom to people watch. Mm-hmm. And it's giving you permission and you don't feel like a creeper. Because you're also <laughs> doing something. You're doing something yeah. and you're also you're there to make people look good. Now, I mean, were you it, dressed up? I wore a shirt that said hashtag mermaid okay. with some mermaid Sweet. leggings. Nice. Well, it's kind of a mom okay. Halloween costume because it's easy and you can wear it with sneakers. Okay. I like <laughs> it. So if you take away, if you, you know, you have event photographer and you take away the word event and then you just have photographer and you're not official, then you're just a creeper with mm-hmm. a camera. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So was it packed? All right. So it is... It starts out, I get there about 8.30 or 9, and I take photos of Rocky Johnson because this woman creates fantastic costumes. Yeah. From scratch, she's sewing them, but not only that, she is so creative, she comes up with with a complete character and a story. Oh, wow. Motives. So last night, her character is... (laughs) A name that I can't think of off the top of my head. Wait, so she doesn't just dress up like somebody or like, like she's not uh, Black Panther or no. something. She's she inventing a whole persona. Her own cosplay. Oh, no. wow. Wow. So last night she's like, I'm a superhero from this other planet, um, and I have an evil twin sister <laughs> whose colors are this. And so when I when we do a photo shoot, I'm like, okay, show me that you're pissed at your evil twin sister. <laughs> <laughs> or show, you know... So, so would she, does she explain to people on stage who she is? Here's or how the, here's are the wonderful, people just left wondering? <laughs> here's the wonderful thing about being that watcher. Yeah. Whereas I'm not dancing, I'm not getting drunk, mm-hmm. and I'm not performing. Mm-hmm. I can see her showing people. She has a sign, uh-huh. and she has props, and I can see her pointing those out because I know to look for them. I don't think other people are getting that message. <laughs> so uh, it's like performance art for her. It is. And huh. it's... Uh, I think she also dresses up a few other times of year, um, the holiday in March, St. Patrick's Day. Yes. There's a few other times. But her, if you can go to her Facebook page or Hump and Hannah's Facebook page and you can see pictures from the uh, Halloween party Saturday night. Yeah. And last night, um, the photos have started uploading and will continue to upload through tonight. And you can just see people go all out with costumes. You've got people on stilts. You've got people wow. in full body paint. Um, you've got people with funny costumes, sexy costumes. And the great thing, here's what's awesome about Hannah's, is that Rocky Johnson brings a positive attitude to the whole thing. And when you've got somebody setting the tone for the crowd in a positive way, that's setting um, the mood. So is that why the turnout's so good down there then, do you think? Just because it, it promises to be a good time? I think so. Mm-hmm. I don't have enough comparisons to say. It's, it's like compare it to um, the balcony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yes. It's a good time. Also prizes. Wait, what are her prizes? Like she there has out prizes? Yeah, about 11.45 p.m. There's the costume contest comes to conclusion and she hands out prizes and there is cash nice cash is involved okay so i have um a technical question for you as a photographer i assume it's dark in there it's a bar it is so dark (laughs) so how do you take pictures (laughs) you take them by this is going to be so boring for you imagine a roll of film back in 1992 and it says 400 speed uh-huh. Basically, on your digital camera, you're setting your film speed to 5,000. So, like, the aperture stays open longer? The op- like aperture's open all the way. Okay. 
and okay. the film speed is faster. Just okay. So freeze action. Thank you for explaining that in a way I would understand. <laughs> I don't think I don't know that I did, but it is a learned skill. Okay. And then what will happen with the pictures that you took? So she, they, you're going on her Facebook, and oh, okay. then um, that is the main destination. So people can go back on the next day and see how good they looked. That's awesome. <laughs> on the internet. And Rocky Johnson, like she's just a she's a Boise figure. She's thirty years. I think she years. had her. 30 year they, she calls it a hanniversary hanniversary oh. <laughs> I love it so she's a great person to check out and um, keep track of especially if you feel like you need like a little positive energy in your life right mm-hmm. now wouldn't hurt and I will say maybe that's part of the reason I don't love Halloween is you go to things like that and you see people who have such extraordinary costumes and I ordered a wig last minute from Amazon and so I always feel like a little a little lame but if she's being positive and putting out the good vibe maybe it's worth giving it a try next year yeah so you're saying you had the last minute downers because you realized you wanted to wear the full-on homemade costume I wanted stilts and carefully applied sequins to my cheeks and so many sequins last night so many sequins so here's the thing you know 8 30 to 11 30 is great after 11 30 it gets a little scary a little more interesting I can only imagine it gets (laughs) a little more interesting probably not appropriate for the radio yeah we'll come back to that later Um, at this moment we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back unexplained bacon radio boise it's like bacon for your ears Hey there, you're listening to The Big Tent. Uh, I'm Jen Schneider, and I'm here with my co-host, Jackie Kettler. We're both faculty in the School of Public Service. We have a special guest with us today, Brooke Burton, who's a photographer and also a blogger with the City of Boise Arts and History blog, Creators, Makers, Doers. And Brooke, we're going to start off this segment by talking about um, a blog post that you have coming out soon about Dwayne Carver. That's right. Dwayne Carver is a member of CTY Studios, which is like a design and architecture firm located just a few blocks from you. And as I understand it, CTY Studios remodeled the um, space we're in right now for Radio Boise. Oh, really? So the Alaska building? The Alaska building. Uh, CTY Studios... um, designed the new public art in front of City Hall called the Cottonwoods, and it's that um, rust-colored, sculptural, giant work. Um, And something interesting about that is when the art department put out a call for works, um, they had a certain site specification that the artwork needed to fit within. And as I understand it, CTY Studio countered that and said, you need to up your site so they were chosen to put the art in but said we'll only do it if you improve the site that we're putting the art in meaning that the the site has to be good enough for the art um i wouldn't phrase it exactly like that um but and i don't know the order that it happened Mm -hmm. i but i do know that i believe he used the term we rejected the site (laughs) and so when you see the new city hall plaza out there that was partly instigated from that call for public art. And I do quite like the new design. You got those chairs out there. You've seen people sitting Mm -hmm. on those chairs on that lawn Mm -hmm. and somehow it's totally opened up that Mm -hmm. space for civic use. Yeah, it feels much more accessible. There was the big public rally after the horrible, tragic um, stabbings that happened with the refugee families. And I felt like that felt much more like a place that people could 
gather. There were people all over the plaza and spilled out into the street. So it does make it feel more accessible, I think. It has more a modern look. Yes. Than what and they it was before. finally finished the dang bike lanes out in front of the thing, which was oh, I was so glad to have that done. So that's yeah, a, yeah, you ride, you ride that um, pretty frequently. I so I have a question for you, ladies, which is, you know, the dilemma of public funds going to art. I mean, that is so tricky. Um, from what I understand, the our city follows a model um, that's been successful in other places. That's called percent for art, which when there is a project city funded by the city of Boise. One percent of that budget goes to an art department who decides how to distribute that and where to put that money into cultural art for the city. So basically, if the budget was one big dollar, they are one penny of that. But how can you know? I know that's a it's a pretty um, disputed thing, like spending mm-hmm. money mm-hmm. on art, public mm-hmm. funds. Go ahead, Jack. Yeah, we're like, oh, stumbling over each other at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, think, and we know that there are a lot of benefits of having public art, right? I mean, for many people, that's how they actually get to engage with art, see it. I mean, it's it brings uniqueness to your community. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's often it's. it's uh, I think that you mentioned at some point that art's really personal, and so like it does, it re- it re- evokes reactions, and sometimes they're less than positive, especially but thinking about well, why is my tax, you know, taxpayer dollars pay- spent on like this what I view as ugly I mean for me it's really a broader philosophical question so there may be individual pieces of art that are funded by public money that I don't love and yet I think do I want to live in a city where there is public art or do I want to live in a city where there isn't and I feel like I have lived in cities where there hasn't been a good investment Um, there are sort of suburban cities outside Los Angeles where I lived they feel sort of soulless and overrun by mini malls and all of the buildings look the same Um, and then I've lived in cities where there's a huge investment in public art I'm thinking of Denver in particular and it gives that city a character that makes it different from other cities and so you know when I Um, and riding around the city or driving around the city with my kids and we see something new that's been put in it's really delightful. Um, like, uh, I don't know if you've uh, ridden or walked up 8th Street lately, and there's sort of an intersection that has been brightly painted. It's really colorful. It's so fun just to pass that. And so I think, man, um, there may not be every piece of art that I love. And I suppose you could make a small government argument about spending. But I really think it just improves our collective life overall. It's hard to imagine yeah. not And you know, it. the... Um, City of Boise's art department is not that old, um, but I, I wanted to ask too. If I think about public art in larger cities where I've been, one of my favorites is the Bean in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, can we buy that? <laughs> Do you have some things you can think of that you're like this in this city? I love this. And if you don't know what um, Brooke's talking about, if you can imagine, it's basically a giant silver sculpture it looks like, like liquid mercury it's so yes. shiny and because of the curvature of the surfaces it does all these really cool reflective stuff it's a great sort of marker for the city and tourist attraction so the city of houston just installed i think i believe it's by the same artist it's this different shape but it's been a lot of tension between chicago and houston Ooh, who like, has the better bean yeah. is it a bean shape well no this one's like tall it's like an obelisk op- Okay, Uh so that helps me out because I wanted to know, another um, thing that's debatable is 
especially here that I've heard a lot is if we have public funds going to art, shouldn't we be paying local artists to do it? And there's kind of this mindset, it's like always, should mm-hmm. we always be giving the money to local artists or should we, if you look at it in terms of shopping, which Jen and I, you and I, have, we have shopping in yeah, common. we like shopping. We like shopping. Can we shop outside of our local artists? Is it okay to say, hey, we love the artists who did the bean. What can we look at outside of Boise to bring in? Is that okay? I mean, I love the, you know, people who study improv, they always use the phrase, yes, and. Yes, and. And I love that response here, right? Yes, of course, we should be supporting local artists. You and I know a bunch of local artists just through our friend group, and I want them to be able to eat and to make art and to make this a more beautiful and interesting city. And I think something that would really benefit the city is to have sort of um, less insularity, right? Like more porous borders with other cities and other cultures. I think that brings the um, new ideas in and keeps things fresh and it probably makes everybody better. So that's sort of my philosophy on that. Well, and different projects require kind of different types of visions and yeah. things. So like, yeah, I mean, it's great to support local artists, but sometimes you want some more diversity and m- some new ideas for different places and projects. Yeah, Jackie, you also had mentioned how um, art is so personal or I was using the term subjective, which is if you're, you know, looking at your city and you're, if I can use the term putting on um, an artwork as a kind of clothes, how can we all agree on the same outfit? <laughs> like mm-hmm. how, how difficult is that job? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not going to, mm-hmm. right? But maybe the point is to then have the discussion about it or the debate about it. I think well, that's, that's well said. I know, that's my Mr. I Rogers need, answer. I need to um, plug one more thing about the um, blog post coming up on Dwayne Carver, which is, um, if you've ever heard of a time capsule house, which is something that maybe comes on the market for sale, but it was built in 1946, and somehow nothing has been changed, and you walk in and you've got the same carpet and the same wallpaper. If you're a fan of um, mid-century architecture or furniture, Dwayne Carver is a little bit of a time capsule person. He lives Mm. a lifestyle that's a little bit stylized in a certain era, and it's very interesting and very um, aesthetic. The the photos are going to be awesome. So, Well, that's one of the things I love about your um, interviews that you do with artists is you get them to say things I think that other interviewers wouldn't. Um, You somehow disarm them, and your photographs are so fabulous, Brooke. So if folks want to see that, you'll want to go to the Creators, Makers, Doers blog. You can just Google that, and it'll pop right up. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about a new gallery in town. So stay tuned to the Big Tent. Welcome back to The Big Tent. I'm your host, Jen Schneider. I'm here with my co-host, Jackie Kettler. And our guest today is Brooke Burton, who's a photographer and a blogger for the City of Boise Arts and History blog, Creators, Makers, Doers. We were just talking about the blog post you have coming out, is it tomorrow? Next week? Wednesday, November 8th. Right. Whatever next Wednesday is. Seventh. Day after the election. Jackie knew that. (laughs) There. I might be ready for the election to be over. Um, But we're going to talk this segment about a new gallery that's coming to Boise, Capital Contemporary Gallery. And this is big news for a city like Boise because we don't actually have a lot of 
galleries, art spaces, et cetera. We've had folks from Ming in the studio before. We've talked with folks at Boise Art Museum, um, but there aren't a lot of other outlets. So tell us what you know about Capital Contemporary Gallery. Well, there's a number of ways that artists um, find ways to sell their work, and privately owned galleries is a way that can work in larger cities or in times when the economy's um, got a lot of money flowing so that people spend money on art. But, um, you know, we've talked a lot about the economy lately because it's, people talk about the recession now in a past tense. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of galleries and um, places to buy art that did not survive that recession. Like, do you remember Bricolage? Bricolage was down here in the basement and then they were over by Ming Studios. Um, that was one of the places that closed during the recession as well as the basement gallery, which is before you moved here. But they were, for instance, there used to be a gallery walk in downtown Boise on first Thursdays that um, I think kind of the recession killed it. Mm-hmm. And um, where I was going with that is during the recession when private galleries were not surviving, a lot of artist collectives popped up. So you get like the Swell Artist Collective. You've got um, some vivid artist studios up at the new gem center for the arts Uh, there's garden city too which seems garden city is now its own popping thing which i'm very excited about and the visual arts collective Mm -hmm. and samuel stimper who started that um is kind of the one of the founding locations over in garden city that with searle's place so the new gallery that's going to be opening here um I'm going to say December or January, the new year, is kind of in between a collective and a private gallery. It's going to be run by Randy Van Dyke, who is an artist and is a framer and has been in an artist collective gallery. So he's kind of seen all sides of the business. So I have a dumb question. For mm-hmm. an artist collective, that means that people are just going in to pay for the space and to sort of design the space yes. as opposed to one particular business person owning it and showing the work of other artists. Yes. Okay. And also a private gallery would be taking work on consignment, some, okay. you know, in a sense. Meaning it's, they would sell it for you and then take a cut. Exactly. And so okay. um, and then a collective would be yeah, what you described. This is um, somewhere between there because um, the gallery portion will be piggybacking on Randy Van Dyke's frame business because it will be connected and his doors can remain open during business hours because he's already in the framing business there, you know, Monday through Friday. Um, Collectives that have failed in the past due to that particular possibility of having a body in the space for open hours was like Gallery 518. There was another one in Garden City called Enzo, which was a great group of artists who got together, created their own space, did their own programming. But just having a person physically there to keep the doors open because was a problem. It, because you have to pay somebody to do that and or get volunteers. If you to aren't do paying it. someone, you are volunteering. And if you are the artist volunteering, you are not in your studio making work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the question is, are we in a bubble and is this gallery going to make it or is this bubble gonna pop? So by bubble you mean, is the economy doing well enough that somebody would take the risk to open up a private gallery assuming there's enough money flowing around for let's people just to say, buy art? Let's say that the gallery is already being opened. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, 
Well, and I think along with this is we're in an area of high growth right now, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, even if the economy shifted and wasn't doing so well, does that incoming growth help sustain um, a a gallery? Even if the economy shifts some, how long will that growth last, though, would be, you know, connected potentially to to the economy as well. Right. So that's what I'm thinking going into this. Um, There's a great group of artists like Cassandra Schiffler, Karen Bubb. Uh, myself, Karen Eastman, Betsy Richardson, Sue Lada, Christine Raymond, Richard Young, Rachel Reichert. Um, there's a more on this list, but I going don't. into the gallery, mm-hmm. well, that's that's fantastic. So that's going to yeah. be sort of kitty corner from Trader Joe's across from Hotel 500, that's right on Capitol. Location. So it's a great yeah. location. Oh, yeah. um, it is within walking distance to the Boise Art Museum, um, La Brie Fine Gallery, Fine Art Gallery. That's in Bodo. This is, so this is a Bodo location. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to give a ribbon out to Art Source Gallery because when I was thinking back, Art Source Gallery here has on Main Street. stuck it. Mm-hmm. You know, they've stuck with it through thick and thin. So they should get But they also more. have a di- more diverse sort of, they sell art supplies and things too, right? Or is it just I don't, art? No. No, just art. Just okay. art. Yeah, I do wonder, too, if it's not just, just a question of bubble, but also a question of population, which is what you were saying, Jackie, and also a sort of... Um, critical mass of folks who are producing art and interested in Mm -hmm. buying art. And so it seems like at some point we will probably, the scales will tip enough that we'll have enough people here with enough, you know, disposable income that it'll be able to support a broader, wider community of arts. And then also if we become known as something of a destination for that sort of thing, I imagine that the arts community will end up sort of all boats will will rise with the tides so it's, this is a discussion colleagues and I, friends I'm, and I have been having for a while like uh, I think 2008 was the last recession and it's still a sharp memory for a lot of people mm-hmm. and a lot of discussions about whether or not that's going to happen again are we in a housing bubble is there a fracking bubble um, is the trade war going to escalate enough that we'll be hit? So these are interesting questions that extend even into the art community. Yeah, so where do you ladies buy your art? Where do you look at art? Let's just start with looking at it. Where do you look at art? You know, I think that we haven't really done much yet with buying art. I mean, we should be clear, we're professors at yeah, a state I, school. I, would say, so. like, I feel like we still have not gotten, you know, financially to the point where we're looking to purchase. And so I think that's all, another question that comes into here, right? So, you know, we we're just not in that market much yet. Yeah, and I think probably a lot of young folks are that way. They're paying off, you know, student loans and sort of trying to get their feet under them, buy homes, things like that. So I imagine it's still folks sort of in those maybe upper age brackets and upper income brackets who are still Well, and then there's the Internet. That's one thing. We're talking Mm -hmm. about economy, but then I think um, Internet markets have also affected, like, the gallery business. Meaning because people are buying most of their stuff online as opposed to going into stores and looking at them in person. That's exactly what I mean. Yeah. Have you ever thought about selling your things online, Brooke? I sure have. Haven't done it at this point. But um, there's so I do have a, you know, if you want to buy art art at a low price, then uh, there's a website called 50 by 500. It's Jen Beckman's project. Jen Beckman is a gallery owner in New York City. And... um, this is all original art that's going to appeal. So we were talking about an age bracket. Um, so, and we were talking about different styles of art. So 
the Jen Beckman project, 50 by 500, is art that appeals to me. And so I think it might appeal to you. And you can buy prints for as low as, I think it's twenty. Five dollars. So more accessible. Well, yeah, that, 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 yeah, that's 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 a wide bracket. <laughs> so of this is a model. Yeah. That I really support because these are artists who are um, working in the contemporary art field, who are making. She's her platform is making it available to a wide bracket. That's great. fantastic. All right. Well, Brooke, if people want to see your artwork, where should they? Where can they find you? What they can do is they can go to. Um, www.brookburton.net or come to the gallery starting you know in the new year come to capital contemporary gallery exactly mm-hmm. you can see a um, rotation of artists in there and two-person shows starting. and you were part of the bosco event i too, did bosco Valerie mentioned last time we yep were on and here. we've got a so bosco's boise open studios collective that was tons of fun in october and then there's a thing that i remembered just right now my street has its own studio art crawl because we've got about five or six art studios on Mobley Drive over in the East End. So you can find information about that on my website, but it's a fun night where you walk in the fall leaves and drink hot chocolate and look at art inside people's home studios, which I like to spy on people's houses. Yeah, absolutely. So if you like people watching or studio watching, check out uh, Brooke's website, see what's happening there on Mobley Drive. Thanks so much for joining us today. And thanks to all of you for tuning in to The Big Tent here at Radio Boise. We'll talk to you next week.